Here we are, and welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Today, we are bringing back one of our all-time favorite people, someone who has inspired me for many, many years, the great Dr. Pam Gurley. Today, we are going to do something that has never been done before in the history of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, and that is we are going to discuss a book and on top of that, we're going to discuss a book that I read every word and page of because Dr. Pam Gurley uh, has put, it's been out for a little while, um, has written this incredible book. I am not a stereotype. I am H-E-R or I am her. And uh, we want to get into it with her. We're so glad she could fit us in in the crazy book tours and promotion and everything she's been doing. We're not, I'm not even going to ask how my sisters are doing. I want to start with. Pam. Pam, how are you? Welcome I, back. I am fantastic. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. I want to know how everybody's doing, first of all. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I like, you know. Pam I, loves us. Yeah, shy. Say what? said Pam <laughs> loves us. Pam loves okay. us. So even if shy I'm, doesn't. Catch up because I am so busy. I mean, it's, I hardly have time to myself right now. And even when I was driving down to Atlanta, where normally I get to tune in for massive hours of Friday night movie, I had people with me who, you know, wouldn't enjoy it as much because, I mean, you have 10 hours on the road, it's different. But I do plan to drive down to my mom, so I'll get to catch up finally. So I, I don't get a chance to catch up with everybody. And some of you all don't post as much anymore. So yeah, I don't know. My sisters are my sisters are slightly removed. It's fine. I'm gonna send you. You know what, Pam? I'm gonna send you when this is over. I'm gonna send you some like very hilarious, adorable photos and videos of the chaos that is my life right now. But I do. I want to actually, if it's okay, shy. I want to start. Pam off asked with you how with, you were doing. I know, and that's what I'm saying. I I actually want to start off with a bit of a confession, which is that as listeners of the podcast know, I have ASMR, which is that I get like tingles when I hear certain sounds and noises and voices. And Pam, you give me tingles. Your voice is one of my favorite <laughs> sounding voices in the world. Like if you started an ASMR channel, I would be your number one subscriber. Oh, I, I listen that. to your <laughs> podcast because I love your podcast. And then I get annoyed when other people are talking because I'm like, I just want to hear Pam's voice. Oh, that's sweet. Very sweet. You know what? You're the only one. I really hate my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I remember growing up, my mom used to say, you know, you can have a job at Disney. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I just, it's very I particular. It's such a particular, yeah. it's such a particular voice, your cadence, your pitch. I love it. You got a great voice. So, I have to make, I have to remind myself of that now because you have a fan. Okay. So Pam, uh, you and I go, we go way back now. I mean, this is now, I can't, I was trying to figure out how many years it was when we started working together, but I'm guessing it was about seven or eight years ago, maybe 2013 for, okay. So six years ago, um, which is wild because in the in that six years, you and I have been to we we worked together, and and you're an amazing teammate. We went to Dubai, South Africa. I I want to say we may have dropped into parts of Asia as well. Yeah, the Philippines. Yeah. Oh, and the Philippines. Shy like makes it sound like so romantic. Like I'm so <laughs> jealous. I was talking to him before 
this morning and I was like, well, you know, reading the book, it's just, you know, you've told me so much about Pam over the years, but reading the book is just like peeling back so many incredible layers. And he's like, well, you know, I traveled the world with her. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus. It didn't and, go bad. And, 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 and when I talk about we Pam. We traveled is, the world together. We're very, I, I know a lot about her. Actually. One of the things I'll say is, is that sounded very romantic. You and I have taken over a karaoke band in the Philippines and we've had avocado martinis in Dubai. And that sounds disgusting. We've spent many hours traveling. But I feel like if Pam can make any martini look good on Instagram, it's the avocado martini. But this book was a revelation. This book was a revelation for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It caught people off guard. This is such an honest and powerful story. It's really, it's your story. And it's told through like a very, very personal lens. And it covers an enormous amount of ground. It actually goes all the way up until around the time I feel like, I feel like some of the the events that you're talking about are around the time that we knew each other, which was kind of wild. Um. But uh, to to just get us started, the themes that I picked out, tell me if we're on the right track. Uh, Love, definitions of beauty, self-worth, relationships, race, the journey of dealing with people who don't support your personal journey. Um, Stereotypes. Stereotypes, betterment, education, (laughs) marriage. Um, your philosophy is the pedestal philosophy, the uh, unapologetic mm-hmm. way of one. life. All of these things are are infused in this book. Where did all of the, the where did this come from? Where did the decision to write this book come from? So I was blogging a good deal of my journey uh, and I was sharing it on I had a blog called The Pedestal Philosophy. And I would blog on it, different things, and people was like loving it. And then I pulled it down, just, you know, and people was like, I want to hear your story. I'm going to hear your story. I'm like, I don't really know. But then I, I, when I look at what's out there and I'm watching TV and the representation that I was looking for uh, was not really there. The, my, my feelings and perspectives of how I was raised, but how it also affected me um, growing up. I mean, you see, I start when I was very young and just trying to fit in and I have nieces and they're all, you know, I have biracial nieces and then I have um, black nieces who, you know, are different colors. You know, one is really, really dark. And because of her, I wanted her to understand mostly, mostly for her that she's beautiful. I don't want to know that she grew up and someone else is saying something to her that doesn't please her. I wanted her to be able to find her own voice and have her own voice and be comfortable in her own skin. Because when she look at her sisters or her cousins, she's the darkest one. And that's my chocolate baby. And so I've all, I've always been so impressionable with her just to say, you know what, I want your hair because her hair is beautiful. I'm like, I, I want your skin color. And because I want her to, you not just see me as someone very beautiful because all my nieces and them do they think i'm they think i'm a celebrity now too for some god knows reason <laughs> um, pam you've been a celebrity <laughs> since before you were famous <laughs> I, I was yeah. gonna say. that's how i feel yeah well so my yeah. i had a, my 10 year old niece googled me in her class and <laughs> yeah and so i i feel like for them i needed them to at least at some point understand that i didn't always feel put together. I think I was trying to find myself in other situations and other people living for other people other than living for myself. And mm. I, I wanted to just not only share that what that did to me growing up and how I excelled professionally because I decided to ignore my personal life, you know, the, the matters of the heart. 
because because I just was like, you know what, as long as I'm this, I'll feel good. But I didn't really feel good to myself. Um, so really is personal. Like, so you're, you're really personal. the motivation is then from what I understand what you're saying is that then your own nieces and family will be able to turn to this as a tool to understand you and mistakes that you made and your life and learn from it. Yeah, I didn't want them to think I was perfect either. You know, your nieces and nephews, they see what they want and they see everything that I'm doing. Really special. And I needed them to know I struggled to get here. I, I struggled through imperfections. And when I talk about the pedestal philosophy, that's when I found myself. That's when I realized mm-hmm. and I took that break of self-discovery that oh, I was living for everyone else. I've really, truly never lived for me other than professionally. I excelled mm-hmm. because I wanted to, I thought excelling would, would make me feel better and make mm-hmm. me feel good and give me some identity, but it, was, it really wasn't. I had to learn how to deal with that inside. And that's the, what the pedestal philosophy is about, is that I was always on other people's pedestal. So everybody had all these expectations of me that I couldn't meet because they couldn't meet. So you want to hold me to a place that you can't yourself. And so I built a lot of toxic relationships about that. And in turn, I myself found toxicity in who I was and what I was really giving out to the world. So I had to do that mind shift. So I put it out there. It's so funny. It's it is so bizarre to me that you talk about toxicity. We So we work together. And, and, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit from your book because you have this incredible poem that leads off the book, which is. The Ugh, I, was, I wanted to talk Amber. about that. I want to talk um, about that poem a you, little bit. That's... You talk here, you say, um, uh, you're, you're doing the E in the acrostic of her, and you say, you know, extraordinary because I'm educated, a veteran, civil servant, CEO, entrepreneur, professor, poet, writer, daughter, sister, aunt, mother, lover, and a friend. And I would say a lot of those you are to me, and not, not every <laughs> single one of those, because <laughs> uh, we are platonic friends. Um, but you, um, when I met you, not only are you one of the most confident, um, put together, uh, energized people, but frankly, uh, the opposite of toxic, meaning uh, when I my feel like my relationship with you has always been one in which you are bringing out the best in the people around you um, and and you energize people and you make them want to do better and you learn and now that being said, I've seen when people have crossed you too. So I know that it's not like you're, it's not like you're the a pushover. You know, it's not like you're a pushover or, or you're, right. or you're like sort of there to enlighten everybody for everybody's sake. But I do feel like, um, uh, at the period that I know you, uh, um, uh, you really are that kind of inspiration. How do you make the shift? Like, how do you make that shift? And do you feel that, do you feel that energy with the people that tell you that you're inspiring them? Um, so by the time you and I met, by the time I got, you know, I think I want to say around 2012 was like the worst period of my life. That's when I was by myself and I, I chose not to date anyone. I, I got my, I was, I had separated and divorced January that of 2012. And whew, that was a doozy of a year learning who I was. So by the time I got to say, oh, I knew I was like comfortable in my own skin. I knew how to bring out the best in people because I learned how to to find people as human and see them as human and imperfect because I myself was not perfect. So it's really easy for me to just to say, okay, you know, there's, there's ways to handle things, but 
you can never get to me because I'm never really going to allow you to get to that place where I'm going to allow your day or your bad day um, to interfere with my energy. I mean, notice also I had the brightest office in oh, <laughs> probably an amazing thing. Here we are in the government <laughs> and Pam's office, top to bottom, pink. The most, I mean, incredible, top to bottom pink. Yeah. Anything anyone ever seen. And, and and I'll give you a real specific example on like how that inspires someone like me. You're unapologetically yourself. Oh. And, and when we knew each other, I didn't have a podcast. And as I made the transition to going out into my creative world, you are one of the people that I talked to a lot. And I saw, I was like, Pam is bringing all the pink into the office. She is an entrepreneur. She is a business. She's advising other people's businesses. She's writing. She's doing all these other things. I can do that too. So here's this book that I've now read that is, you know, very much told as an inspiring tale for black women. And here I am like a Jewish white guy of privilege. And I'm like, I, I believe in all of the philosophy and this, this is incredible. And I feel like it well, gives me strength I, as well, yeah, I which I don't know if it's supposed to, but it, I, for me, that's well, how I Well, I think it would be ridiculous. I would hope that Pam would assume that it's ridiculous that she couldn't inspire other people as well, like yourself, Shai. Well, what even, we even when you work together, like you as a person, knowing you very well because you're my brother, while you're incredibly confident and extraordinarily bright, there is an inherent, um, I think, well, apprehension and, and self-esteem issue. Imposter syndrome. Pam has a whole chapter about it in the yeah. book. Right. Yeah. Which, so and one of the things we've talked about on the podcast. Wait, hold on. Let me just finish. Is that you, I just saying that you um, always have an incredible creative side, but maybe are more nervous about being open and honest about that in terms of your work environment, like because you're so professional and you focus on that and to have someone like Pam be able to inspire you and say, no, you can do both. You don't have to be apologetic for that. I think is phenomenal. So yes. And one of the things we've talked about in terms of content that we love on this podcast is when somebody is telling a really, really, really specific story that you might look at and say, oh, that's a really niche story. And it only speaks to one very tiny audience. But the more specific you get, the more universal that message becomes. Because you're not just telling some general, oh, self-esteem issue. Oh, um, you know, some that, you know... Uh, Crisis, it's not as you right it's, you're you're yeah the more intimate and vulnerable somebody is with their storytelling the more connected others feel to it like shai i said we we are not you we have not had the same experiences as you exactly but we've had experiences that when we when we read about yours it it gives that um strength and inspiration to know that there's other people out there who have had something similar going on in their lives that I don't know that can that we can learn from as well um or not similar at all but still still great lessons so that and I want to also talk about your poem a little bit okay so for me um when I was a teenager I read the poem Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou for the first time and it was like world changing for me it was this shift where all of a sudden I was like oh wait a minute being a woman is this phenomenal thing and I get to be proud of that. And I get to show that off and I don't have to apologize for it. And that like, it truly changed something in, in my whole mind, body, spirit. And when I read your poem, 
when I was reading the book, it was that same feeling that I had when I was a teenager. And I have not had that feeling reading a poem of being like, yes, we, I, we get to, we are all of these things. She's all of these things. I get to be all of these things too. And so it was very, very moving for me. I just wanted Basically, to say. Basically, Pam, you're going to inspire your nieces and, and many other yeah, people. You don't have to worry about that. That's it. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about when you wrote that poem, how did it come to you? What was that process like? Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, the poem came before the book. I didn't even think of writing a book until I, I don't know, I was inspired by the poem. And it, oddly, I am, let me just put this out here. Everybody needs to hear this out. I am by no means a normal poet. And I talk about that in the book. I'm very, I consider myself a gifted poet because it comes to me in my sleep. I can get up and I can literally write the entire everything out. And that's how it comes to me. That's how poetry has always come to me. I have a ton of books and stuff that I've written poetry in. I have some published poetry back from, you know, years ago that I just submitted into um, books that have other poetry in it. But this one, I don't know, it did something, it resonated something differently in me. And as I, after I wrote it, and then I went back and read it, I just thought, oh, I was moved to write. And then that's what started the, you know, me actually writing my book, which took me like three or four years to even feel comfortable putting so much of myself out there. Because when you, I put a lot out there. I was was going to (laughs) ask, I I was going to ask how you either, I mean, I think you can tell, like, I don't, I haven't read many celebrity memoirs besides yours. Um, But I would imagine that a lot of them like tout being very honest and stuff. And then in the end, it's really just fluff. And then I feel like you can really tell from the language you use to your sheer honesty, you're either in or you're out. You made the jump or you don't. And clearly you did. And once you jumped off that ledge, I'm assuming, okay, okay, it all just came out and you just decided to go with it. But it also must have been hard to be that honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, after I I hit the publish button and I started putting it out there, I just thought, what did I do? That was the first thing I did. What what did I do? But here's the other thing I learned about transparency. No one else can say or criticize anything that I put out to the world. I put it out there. So what can you say? And and I can't lie about my life. I, and I think for me, when I in order to be unapologetic, I have to be transparent. I mean, even about right. me, and I know Jay has a whole chapter and people didn't even know that much about our relationship. And I told him, I said, how do you feel about this? Because what I didn't want, I did not want people just to see all the negative. In, right. in three marriages, I wanted people to understand that I'm in a healthy relationship now, but I also had to allow him time to grow during our relationship. And so right. it wasn't like, oh, you went through all this stuff and then magic, Prince, that's yeah. it, done. Right. Which is also <laughs> a really important thing to recognize that and that it's constant, you know, you're, you're always evolving and growing right. and working and you have to work on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was important to me to put that out there. Um, so I'd love to come back to the three husbands. That to me, again, um, again, I knew you. I don't know when you're selling the rights to this movie because <laughs> it's good. Uh, like this uh, is a cr- this story is very meaty. Uh, um, I, I um 
I, uh, so I, again, I knew you had been married and, and I knew you lived in Germany and like a little bit about that. And we've talked about a lot of things, but in each, not only are in each of these husbands, are there some really toxic things that happen, but each one almost represents another step in the growth uh, of the story. Like, I love the way you built one after the other. What oh was God, it like after each one? What what'd you say? I said I got a degree after each, <laughs> which is I feel like can't be a coincidence, right? Yeah. Like, well, now I'm smarter. Yeah, now and, I'm more and, smarter. And, <laughs> and 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 so, two questions. One is, uh, one is, uh, how how what was it like revisiting those? Or and the second part of that question is, or are the or are those experiences always in you every day? Or and, and you and you, re, you sort of feel them every day, or did you have to go back and go to that place to to think about those very difficult times? So as I wrote, it was therapy, and and I think that's where my re, my release was, where I think I held on to it for a very long time until I had that period by myself, and I wanted people to understand what that journey really meant. In order for me to get to right. pedestal yeah. philosophy, I had to be honest about who I was and at that time and each variation of time. And here again, I was blogging about it. So a lot of this content already was there. I just mm -hmm. had to put it together and, you know, and I didn't even put a lot of this stuff out there. Um, Cause I just wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to make sense. And I tell you what, sometimes when you're in those things, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I, I picked and choose the most important pieces that fit into that book. So no, and I don't live with it. Um, I forgave myself first. And so I don't really, I don't really worry about it. I mean, my ex-husband sent me an email one time not long ago and was like, how are you? I wrote back, I am fantastic. Sin. Because <laughs> I, I can't allow myself to hold on to that kind of energy. That is wasted energy that I could be putting towards people that I love. So I don't harbor hard feelings. I don't even really think about it oh, or, or anything else like that. So um, I, I'm just, I don't hold on to it anymore. I let all that go. One of the most powerful lines in the book, I wrote it down in my notes and I like, I want, you know, the is, is you're, you're, you're speaking, uh, you spoke a lot again, as a professional, as an academic, as someone, you know, who is beautiful and, and who can be intimidating. And then you also put it in the context of challenging the, the, the stereotype of the angry black woman. And, and you, I think you did a beautiful job, um, t you know, pulling that stereotype apart. Um, and there is a beautiful quote that applies to so many things, but I would love for you to expand upon it here, which is, I cannot possibly Im intimidate people. People allow themselves to- I, I highlighted that. Me. Wait, sorry, right. say that again, say it again. Keep, keep writing, keep talking. Yeah, I, sorry, cannot, I cannot possibly intimidate people. People allow themselves to be intimidated by me or intimidated by anyone they find intimidating. And to me, this is yeah. one of the most powerful universal lines, but you were also talking about something very specific to you. Uh, please tell us everything you can about that experience. Just amazing. If you just hit the nail on the head with that. So, I mean, it's, it's the truth. And I've, I, when I was feeling that, I, it was, it's something that's always been said. And I still hear it. You're very intimidating. And I'm like, you, you allow 
you you control yourself. And that's basically what I was saying. You control the narrative of your life. You control the narrative of your thoughts. And if you get intimidated by someone who has more, has done more. Um, in, in, in what context in, are you hearing that? Can I ask? Say what? In what context are people saying that to you? Um, relationships, friendships. Um, even if I, like, I've talked to friends and they'll say, you know, if I walk into a room and people are looking or they're, and they're whispering or something and they're and like, I don't really be caring. They're like, you know, you do it to intimidate a lot of people. And I'm like, how? I don't even have to open my mouth to be intimidated. <laughs> it it and, sounds and stop, to me and, like when people say that, it's like they want you to shrink yourself. Oh, and I'm not. And, right. Yeah. And you're not doing that because you are unapologetic. Uh, I'm going to speak around it um, because I don't want to give details. I want to be respectful of our former colleagues. But I I remember uh, when we worked together again, you're, you know, you know, always beautifully dressed, always the best prepared person in every meeting. You and I have gone and presented on budget together many times. Those are tough, tough meetings. There's no one in the world I want to go into those meetings with other than you. Um, but but we've also there there's one particular incident where your style of dress was brought up in in front of a large group of people as as possibly wow. um as possibly uh hurting their impression of you and and not taking seriously and not realizing that you have a doctorate and i remember hearing this and asking you afterwards and you were as unfazed as anyone as i've ever been like i get worked over much less and so what is the process in your world of people and, and that was polite and, and and in the book describes much less polite things um uh what's your process of dealing with those types of comments situations whether they're beauty related education related race related so one my office has always been my runway i i love, <laughs> I love nice and i love nice shoes i'm a heel girl um second you know what you have great taste in clothes. Like, why would you waste that? I know, but I, I think for me, I don't really, I can't subscribe to that kind of negative thoughts because I, I'm a firm believer that if you are either intimidated or have an issue or feel some kind of way about me, it's a reflection of yourself. So to me, if you're looking at me and you're feeling some kind of way or any form of intimidation, just get on my level. It's not that hard. I don't wear I don't wear titles on my sleeve. I don't do any of that. I'm probably one of the most humble and down to earth people that you would meet. And it's simply ask if you if just oh I don't like what you're wearing. Okay, well then it's not your choice. I, I buy my own clothes, just like you buy on yours. I think we we need to learn how to suspend judgment because there's really no such thing as normal. I love the fact that I can be unique. I know people to say oh I can never wear heels. Well that's you. Or do you think, oh, wait till you get older, you're not going to be able to wear them. My mother's 60, she still wears heels. So, you know, you, you can't subscribe to that kind of negativity. And I don't, I choose not to. That's, that's great. I like, I like the idea that people have to kind of meet you because I think that's where I, if I come back to it, I think that's where part of your inspiration comes. The folks who can take it end up rising to your level and not trying to bring you down to their level. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I just, I, I think I, I spent a good bit of my life not liking myself, hiding who I was. And I did that for a very long time. And, you know, I, I was told even when I first became a federal employee and I went to training and this one lady told me in training, she said, 
You can always tell an eagle amongst a flock of geese. And she said, never let anyone dull your shine and never let anybody take that away from you. And I've kept that and it's resonated in me that, you know, as I've grown in my federal career, how special and unique that, you know, I was because I've worked hard, not because someone gave it to me, but because I worked hard and was diligent in succeeding, not, not to appease other people, but just to make myself happy. Um, when, yes, <laughs> I just, sometimes, I don't know. I just had a Becky ASMR moment where I was like, yes, everything. Keep talking. Amazing. I was just keep like, talking. keep going. I'll just, uh, I'm, I'm here for this show. Told ya. <laughs> uh, uh, when, when you are, um, when you are connecting with people, when you are, uh, connecting with people as you travel around the country and the world now, promoting the book, what are the kind of reactions you are getting? What are some of the, the most fun? What are the strangest ones? Are there any bad ones? No bad ones yet. I, I do love that, you know, for me, there's, not, there's nothing bad that anybody does, but what's, what's the transition for me is people say, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, oh, we're there now. <laughs> That's great. I, I really do see myself as normal. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm about impact. I, I don't care about being a celebrity. I feel like I, I'm living purposely, purposefully because I want to change the narrative of how we as in people see one another. I think there, you know, I'm, I want equality. I want, you know, you know, social justice, but I also want, you know, a different society where we are very upfront and transparent and not living by what we see on television and what we see on social media or Facebook or Twitter, because that's not always real life. I do. I post my real life out there. I'm like, you know, hey, I got a book out there that's about my life. So, hey, I'm, I'm really out there. But for the most part, we have our younger generation thinking that everything that's on there is, is true. So, I mean, I've had posts where it's like I'm stressed out or I'm struggling or I'm working. I, t I take pictures of that and I share it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not always okay. I'm, I feel like crying sometimes. I feel like I'm frustrated sometimes. And I'm going to be honest. Now, it's been a while since I felt that way. Because writing, I tell you what, when you're writing a book <laughs> or you're managing multiple brands and, and multiple companies, you become overwhelmed. And so now for me, it's more therapeutic because I have, I have a therapist to make sure that I stay that I have some level of sanity. Okay. I, I remember when I met you, you were redoing the floors in your own house because you didn't have enough projects. And you were like, I have, you know, two days off for my 1000 project. So I'm going to refloor my house by myself. And that's normal. I was like, damn it, woman. I like barely keeping it. I'm like, oh, maybe today I'll cook something. Yeah. Maybe not. And I find that in just in and of itself, yeah, just following your Instagram is inspirational. Because so, one of my wait, hold on, I just want to say one of my uh, favorite things about following your Instagram is that you are clearly not one thing. You are teaching everybody around you. I mean, through your book as well. You don't have to be one thing as a woman, especially. You can be many, many different things, and you can look great and have fun while you're doing it. You yeah. don't have to be like a stuffy, boring, or cold and not transparent person to yeah. be extraordinarily professional actually further on successful. that point there's like a lot of instagrammers out there who are all about you know uh the sort of therapy side of instagram and like teaching and sharing great quotes 
but that's all they show you. And to Lily's point, you share all of that and you also share who you really, really are, which makes all of those quotes actually authentic. It's not just someone who claiming to be a guru telling me about self-love. It's someone who's showing me how they, how they, how they enact self-love and, and in very like honest ways, whether you're going out and having drinks, like I love Oh, Lily and I talk about this right now. I know. I know. Yeah. I want to go for drinks with you. <laughs> I, you I, always I, are drinking something so, so delicious. Looking. Lesson to all those <laughs> other Instagrammers out there: the, in order to be authentic, you actually have to be vulnerable and share your life with with people. Anyway, I, you know, when I was in Atlanta, I had I, I I played it off, I think, really well. But when I was speaking at the book tour, one, I fell in a hole that was there. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I still kept talking. And then when I was getting ready to do my interview, I sat down on the couch and one whole side went down. And then, you know, so I played it off and I was like, somebody is trying to take me out in here. <laughs> and I, posted <laughs> on my, I posted it on my IGTV and I was like, this is going to be a great blooper reel, but I don't care about that. I'm not out there to be perfect and show that I'm not here. Right. And I'm, I'm like, hey, things happen and you just keep rolling with it. I was cute though. That's what I was. <laughs> so, um, so you talk a lot, you talk about in the book, um, which is a great, uh, you know, this is a movie and television and pop culture podcast. Uh, and uh, in the book, you talk a lot about the representation of women and the representation of black women in media. Um, you are now yourself uh, a media figure. Um, uh, uh, you talked both about negative stereotypes out there and you talk about, uh, pushing back against those, who who are some of either the actors or maybe the characters, the fictitious characters that are that are out there that are the, those positive representations of Black women? So in I your love, mind, I, I love Viola Davis. Um, I really love Tracy Ellis Ross. I follow her. She is so, and I, I think that's what makes me love her even more is that she's just so authentic, even on her. Instagrams and her her TikToks and you know all of those and I I love her energy, uh, Taraji P Henson and since she's went natural and I and I think right now you know they were during this talk that Tiffany Haddish cut all her hair off and I'm I saw at that backlash and I am furious right, yeah. at people just having all this negative stuff to say and part of it like mind your own effing business exactly She's really beautiful because that representation is not really out there people have something negative to say and so i i look at her as somebody as well that's just living in her truth so there are a lot of great women out here who are setting the example for for other black women can i ask about a specific okay First of all, thank you, because I'm now, I mean, I already follow those actors and their work and their Instagrams, and I, I like having your perspective on that as well. Um, so we have talked about, the, the three of us talk about representations of like Jewish people and Jewish families on television and which ones feel authentic, which ones feel like caricatures, which ones we connect to, which ones we get kind of irritated when other people ask us about that like aren't Jewish. There's like this little bit of a yeah like my, my big thing is i get aggravated when people when people ask me people oh hello sorry i, I yeah. lost a, people will come up to me and they'll be like you're jewish i bet you love mrs mazel right yeah that oh. so yeah which happens by the way or pe i've had like non-jewish colleagues and stuff 
uh, be like, oh my God, you remind me so much of Mrs. Maisel. I'm like, cause we're the only two Jews you've ever heard of. What? Like I get anyway, but so my very specific question is the show. I don't know. Do you watch I don't know if you watch insecure on HBO, but I've always, one of the things that I watch it and I wonder, is this, um, does this feel authentic to, to black, to, does it feel authentic to a black woman? the way that certain shows about Jewish people do to me, like, am I, it, or is it catering to me to like a white audience and giving me a very specific lens through which to see a, a black story about women? And so I, I actually would just love your feedback on the show. Um, Cause I enjoy the show, but I'm, I'm curious. Not sure if you should feel bad about enjoying it. Kind of, <laughs> or I'm, or I'm not sure if it, if it, if, if, if I'm being told um, a version of the story or if I'm being told something that actually feels, you know, properly representative to, to you in particular, because you're someone that I know and, and, you know, whose work I, I also enjoy. So I, I you know, Issa Rae is another one that I really love. So, you know, very natural and, and embrace a lot of things. I watch Insecure and I do, I, to having, if you look at my past, I do think that there is a reflection of different things, but I also like that she challenges the the status quo on certain things. Um, how her discomfort with her, you know, with friendships, with female friendships, but they, I, what I like about it is they still come back to each other. So I do think that that's one show that does have a representation of Black women in a positive light. You have a professional woman who has to deal with her own inadequacies and her own inadequacies on learning how to deal with a relationship. I can relate. Um, and even, you know, just dating outside your race and the discomfort behind it initially, I can relate, you know? So to me, if I had to, to pick a show that really would closely, um, show an example of some of the other side of, of things, I would definitely say that will be one of them. That's still rep very representational of the black culture to and to one and through one lens of course because then you right. do have people I mean you have the show like Blackish that is a very good representation of black people who also from a positive side but deal with very difficult issues. So to me I think that that's still a great show that's representation for that's for black people. Okay, thank you cuz like we know that no we know that no show is going to be perfect and going to cover every angle and every experience. And so, like I said, if you could earlier, like we can look at a very specific experience, you know, that's extremely helpful and valid. Sorry, you can hear the baby sounds in the background. And, and so like, thank you for, for your thoughts on those two different, but both really great shows. Well, I'll give you another example. Uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. One of hands down one of my favorite shows. Do I feel like it really catered to black people? No, because you I don't recall really seeing any black people in there that, that I, I can really think of. But my sister has a license plate on the back oh, on on her uh, wall that says ass man. <laughs> so, but that just goes to show that you know things can cross over but you know you don't have to feel guilty if you're like okay what which lens am I looking at but you know you look at Seinfeld and if you compare between Insecure and Seinfeld when you talk about culture they're almost the same giving you the same they're giving you the same right. lens Right. Yeah, that's actually, it's a good point. And, and I think for, for myself, it's, it, you know, being conscious of where am I getting my information from? 
what am I, how am I learning? And insecure is one of the places that I get my information from. And I, and it's, so it's important to me to know, you know, on, on the scale and whatever scale we're using, um, how good of a source is that for understanding a slice of black, um, experience of a black woman's experience, um, or, or culture. So now speaking of, of shows, so Pam, there's two questions I have that are related to shows. Number one, who is going to play you in I am not a stereotype. Her. I am her herself. I want to see. Pam. Oh, that's Maybe true. Hear that that's voice true. on the big screen. That's true. I want Pam. Aside, so Pam okay. can play herself for sure. Right. I never thought All of making ones. that a movie. I just I don't know. Oh, definitely. Well, I don't know. Well, it depends. Where are we starting the story in her life? Are we starting no, I mean, the story when she's Hawaii. graduating high yeah. school no, and no, no. you know Hawaii. between I want that the and the and the service? Are we and when she you know joins up? See, you know? I want I I I would love to have that threaded in in like flashbacks, like you'd go back and forth, back and forth. But I also want Pam now. And the right. entrepreneur, the the um, the 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 iconoclast. The hey, so then I'm it would be Taraji. Taraji would would play her now. So for sure. I also like Megan Good. I think she would be a good one. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Um, Y'all are gonna see. This is what happens when you're really transparent. My hair is slipping, and you see, I'm like halfway done here. So she's gonna <laughs> me up while I talk to you. <laughs> yeah. See, this is, is oh, okay. Oh, I see what the part yeah. that's missing. Yeah, I'm missing a whole whole hit. Oh, you can do it that. Um, way. Okay. So when you when you can I can I just say that and and I assume it's allowed to you're, like you said like you like you were allowed to relate to Seinfeld yeah. the way Becky's allowed to relate to insecure like it's yeah you know it's about a human experience yes. you know and if you can you can That's inspire great. people who you mean to inspire but the idea is to share it with everybody else too. When you write about cutting your hair, and when I met you, you had probably had your short hair for probably about a year, now that I read it in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and you had your, your natural, super short, curly hair, but you're beautiful. But when you write about the experience about that, um, I, Becky and I have always had long hair. Our mom did not allow us to really cut it at all when we were kids or dye it or touch it or anything. Oh, she had a perm in the 80s and I think she was traumatized. And so she just was like, <laughs> don't, just don't mess with your hair. Don't touch your hair. You'll regret it. And then I've also, I've always had long hair and there, there is, I mean, like going back to the Bible, right? The fertility and a woman's worth and the hair and, you know, so many cultures make women hide their hair. There's a lot to unpack there. It is not frivolous. Th that being said, and amongst we, us siblings, we make fun of each other's hair all the time and that's never going to stop. No, that's like fine. Becky's but haircuts. Think, when Becky gets a mullet, like we can't not joke about it. It's growing of out. Course. Okay, we've been through this. But, it's growing but out. When you talk about the cutting of the short hair and that trauma, liberation, like that whole complex thing behind it, I think is extremely relatable and important. It is not a subject to be glossed over, you know. And yeah. I think that's the that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, I, it was that was a very traumatizing experience for me because I learned a lot. Nobody nobody tells you about shrinkage, and I cut right. my hair while it was straight, and then I and and so I had hair, and then I washed it, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, and, and it was who is who am I looking at now? And I had to you you have to learn how to love yourself in all of these different looks, 
now I can't even grow my hair out. I try and then I cut it off and I try and I keep cutting it. Now I said again here, I'm trying to grow it back out. So I try to find ways to do my hair where I'm not going to feel scissor happy. Because uh, for some reason, heat, I wash and go anyway, because it's just curly, but heat and, and just, and hair has just not, just not gone really well together at all. <laughs> well, we've got a few minutes left and I really want to make sure we talk about what we're watching Pam oh, and yeah. I share a love of Bosch. Um, so Pam, I'm going to go, let's start with you. What have, and thank you, by the way, thank you so much for talking about the book. Oh, I could talk to you for like 10 more episodes. Thank you for having me. And just so you know, um, the pedestal philosophy is, is a book of its own. It's going to be coming out uh, either oh, by fantastic. The next year, but because people asked was they wanted more and I was like, okay. And getting more. And I've, I know people are having conversations with their kids about, it or their younger generation on the younger generation and I felt like wow that made me feel really good the other thing is I'm actually tying it to psychological and sociological sociology theories to back it so from an academic standpoint I'm an academician so um, I wanted to be able to have its place in the psychology field Oh, and awesome. uh, amazing brilliant yeah. i cannot wait to read it and read it with my daughters so thank, thank you. you and then i have a book called um wine is good shots is better it will be coming out <laughs> also <laughs> it's not what you think it's it's a it's a play on words so i mean it's going to be something that's going to really be enlightening to people because i'll just give an example that you know there to be like a shot of reality a shot of inspiration a shot of friendship it's not a shot technically. So, um, so I've been, as I'm writing this book right now, um, I'm excited about putting it out and I'm writing two books simultaneously, which is something I don't normally do, but I'm doing. Oh, um, I, oh, for those books. I, I'm sure you're also redoing like the, the facade or the, like uh, the roof of your house at the same time. No, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, if, if I hadn't, if I didn't have so much media and, and other stuff going on right now, I probably would. Um, haven't well, had the deck. a lot of time, you know, I do have, I did make a veggie garden though. So I, I do that. That, that takes, that takes a lot of You're time. You're truly an, an, an inspiration. <laughs> so what I'm watching, um, I love Bosch. I'm addicted to Bosch. Um, and I stopped watching it because I only have one, uh, like one more season left. And I start, I'm like two into that season. I'm like, well, there's nothing really on TV. So if I go through it, I'm not going to have anything. So I'm like, and, and season five and six are really good. Those are my two favorite seasons. I'm, I'm already in five. I finished five. I'm in season five. Five's the one with the oxy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was amazing. Yeah. yeah, season six is really good too. So yeah, I started um, episode one in season six and was like, this is it. If I, if I get through this, I'm not going to have anything to watch. So uh, other than that, I'm not really watching as much. I'm usually writing right now and trying to get a lot of stuff done. I have a few magazines that are going to be coming out. So I'm constantly doing something with that. That's cool. Wait, so why do you love Bosch? Because Bosch is something I've been trying to get my sisters to watch. And like, to me, it, <laughs> I, there's gonna a whole start. genre. I would just say the only, reason, the only reason I would watch it is because Pam endorses it. <laughs> it's, it's actually really, so the first episode is a little slow, but after that, it, it becomes, it's so addictive. Like I, I watched like two seasons in a day. I just married, I didn't even, watch. <laughs> yeah, it was because it, it kept me going, but it was super slow the first time. I was like, okay, I'm not, I don't think I'm gonna make it through it. But somebody told me they was like, make it past season for the first episode. And it got really good. 
Yeah, and he is uh, Titus Welliver is amazing, and the guy who plays Jay Edgar is amazing. Uh, the, the the relationship between the two partners is great, and his daughter uh, Madison Lynch, the actress who plays his daughter, they've increased her role as the show's gone on, and she's become a great part of the show. So, it, like they they really do a good job organically. She gets on my nerves a little bit though. Oh, well, she doesn't have a really judgment. gets on my nerves. I almost, I mean, I'm like, you can write her off already, but <laughs> she really does. She gets under my skin, just the hard head and just want to be too much. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I have a whole thing that she's very I find cool. Daughters in, in shows are generally the worst. Any daughter in a show, hey, are just like they're always. Monica the worst. Mars is all about a daughter and a dad solving but mysteries. She's no, a that's character. a show about, about about a teenage girl and her dad. Well, Different. I want to solve mysteries. When there's a daughter as like a secondary character, especially to some sort of detective, they're yeah. always the worst. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but I mean, outside oh, yeah. of that, but it takes a while to even get to that. Um, and I'm glad she gets herself together in season in season six because you know I I almost just if I can go through the TV that's how I feel I would just you know. <laughs> All right, uh, Lil, what are you watching? Um, well, we're gonna start Bosch, so that's you know probably because Pam says she watches it, even though you've been trying to get me to watch it for a while. And we finished last night the Sinner season three, which. Um, I don't know anyone but Shy now who watches. I it. love it, Lily. I and, loved season three. It was very and, dark mystery, like you know. Right, season killer, three is like murder than season mystery. One, right, and Shy described it perfectly. It's like a mystery beach read, but season three is a bit more dramatic, maybe emotional. It's not as straightforward. It's a bit more complex. So I'm, I don't, I didn't like it as much as season one and two, but um, it has Matt Bomber in it. And he was fantastic and he was really, really good in it. And so it was like fun to watch him and uh, Chris Messina, uh, who's always, he, like, I love that guy. He's great. Um, and so, and then I finished the politician season two, which I love. I don't know if Pam, if you watch that show, I think that's just the, the politician. It's ridiculous and, and oversaturated, but it's fun and it's different. And I feel like it's very off. It's not often that you get something that's a little bit different on TV. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, Beck, what are you watching? We want to. All right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, politician season two. And we're going to punt this to next week. Cause we don't have time to get into it. So you two will watch and we'll do a whole thing. I have a whole episode planned out in my head. Old guard with Charlie Saren on Netflix. So I'm I not going to say. It. I'm not actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just saying okay. I watched it and we have a very, I have a specific episode we need to do because okay. of it. Great, that's it. Mystery, um, you have to tune in next I, week. Oh, I'm, look at I'm, that cliffhanger. Uh, I'm watching the stuff that Lily and Becky are watching. And we also watched Kim Possible on Disney Plus with the kids starring Sean Gambroni from the Goldbergs, My like the God. live action version. And I just want to say it was really good. It has him and the woman who plays Sadie, who plays the uh, um, Sadie, Stacy, uh, the woman who plays Bria B from the Goldbergs. It's the two of them. They have great chemistry. But one of the villains is played by this woman, Taylor Ortega. I'd never seen her before. Absolutely hilarious. Every line she had in that movie made me laugh out loud. Okay, Pam, where can people follow you? What are all the amazing things that you can do? People know where to follow us. I'll do that after you get off the, after you go to your next interview. 
Okay, so I can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on TikTok at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y. I am Dr. P. Gurley, which I also have to just shout out my 12.3 thousand followers that I got for some reason out of the blue. So, I mean. That's amazing. Because you're amazing. Because you're amazing. Check me out. Um, I am, you know, on tour right now. California is next. I'm actually also going to have a, a very intimate night uh, at a recording studio with one of the labels that I do some work for. So I'm really excited about that. And it's only going to be eight seats available because it's going to be very limited experience. So it's a, it's a VIP experience uh, in LA on September 10th. And then on September 12th, I will be on a book tour at the, the W for the uh, Black Authors Matter book tour. So that's where you can find me right now. That's amazing. Thank amazing. you so much, Pam. We love you. Thank we are, you we Thank are, you, you are an inspiration always. Love you. Thank uh, you. I love feel. You. Thank you so much. I must be, uh, you know, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to come back so we could just talk movies. Um, yeah. That's all, obviously. you know, during quarantine, I think that's all I really had an opportunity yeah. to do is watch movies. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll have a separate like pop culture app. This yes. was the we really app. wanted to celebrate your book. It's so yeah. good. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Thank you all us. for supporting me on, on my book. And I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to, you know, sending you all this, you know, the second and third book also. We can't wait. Yes, really? yes, we yes. Can't yes. wait. Yes. All right. You all, all right. have fun. Congratulations. I didn't even know you. you had the baby already till I was told you had oh, she's seven months. I, I know. I'm yeah. seven for seven months. I mean, it's all fun and games until you realize you end up having to watch Kim Possible. Like, well, well, that, that, <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. Okay, well, oh, thank you all. I'm going to go and jump. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. That was so Oh, amazing. my God. That book. That right? book. Incredible. Oh We're still God. doing this. We're still I... in the show. We have to close the show. Okay, fine. Well, I'll close the show saying that book. Go get it. Read it. It's fascinating. It's it's different. It's, it's, it's the most like un raw, unfiltered personal story I've read of. Yeah, it was like it was like talking to someone and having. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It was as if you were having the way she writes is as if you're having a conversation with her, and I, she's one of the best people to just talk to. Like she's so. I don't know. Anyways, it's, it's it a really very, felt like I felt like you were in a conversation is, with her. It's very inspirational and very educational. Without being hard to read, it's extremely yeah. and not that well, a book needs to be easy to read. Life story, but it's she also. But it's her and, talking from her voice, hundred percent from her voice yeah. the whole time. And Pam doesn't pretend to, you know, she's very honest about that. It's her and her speaking, right? She says, you know, this is not an academic book, you know, multiple times, but but that's also what makes it really powerful. And I feel like if you really want to, if you really want to feel like you're having that, this is just a conversation between you and Pam. Make yourself a fancy cocktail. Or two, sit down and drink that cocktail while you read this book, and that is hanging out with Pam. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And that's it, guys. My streak. I can no longer walk around saying I haven't read a book since my honeymoon. I read this book cover to cover, every word. A day. Um, uh, it actually, like, I might, maybe I might read another book. It was kind of fun and relaxing. Don't, don't go crazy. All right, don't get ahead of yourself now. You're getting Please a little cocky. There. Do not send in your recommendations of what I should read. I still will take that as homework. Right. <laughs> okay, um, but you can order it on Amazon and lots of other places. So go to Pam's social media and figure it out. Um, Becky, where can people follow you? 
at Paper BK Princess. And although you'll be hearing this a week later, you should know that last week I tweeted something. So I'm just it. saying I'm on there. Once in a oh, while yeah. I send a tweet. Felt good. It felt it was kind of exciting. I wish you tweeted more, you know. You know, I'm cool. very I think I don't tweet a lot because I'm insecure about my coffee. You well, know. You can just tweet with me. No one's no know. one's reading. Yeah, but why don't I just text with you? Because no oh, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, that, why don't we just speak on the phone instead of do this podcast? That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, there there's should be a, a record. Secret podcast and the on the air podcast. Public record of our conversations. Uh, Lily, where can people follow you? On Twitter and Letterboxd, Chichi K Gomez, C H I C H I K Gomez. And uh, with a Z. And you can follow me at pancake for a table on twitter and instagram and all of the friday night movie shenanigans at fry night movie on twitter and instagram you can also go to friday night movie pod where we have all of our website stuff um, as a reminder we are supporting the naacp legal defense fund and the equal justice initiative if in our solidarity with the black lives matter movement so please go check out those organizations um, our theme song is by what does it eat and what does it eat which is a band that i am in has a new record out called sidecar you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, all the other places. And it is a tribute to 1980s and 90s TV characters. So really, it's an extension of the excitement going on on this show. And with that, my sisters, it was so great doing this with you today. So great having Pam. Thank you, Pam, for being here. Uh, uh, even though she's now off doing her next interview, but thank her again. Uh, love you guys. Bye. Love you, bye. bye. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I'm like Bye. So